Welcome to Houndsy, the Stormy Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and the Hounds 2022 season comes to a crashing finish, shall we say, as the beloved fall in kicks from the mark 5-3 after a 2-2 draw with Louisville. And here to discuss that and maybe some other more fun topics, I got two cool dudes. One of them is Seth. How you doing, Seth? I'm uh, I am living the dream, or at least that's what I'm gonna tell myself. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a lie, unless you're doing really, really well, and I don't know about it. I mean, all things considered, good, but the uh, you know the the beloved uh, hounds they definitely play a large impact on the uh, the emotion of me and uh it'll, it'll be a long next uh what are we looking at four months five months uh i mean probably let's say i mean are you talking about the first real game or are you talking like when when's the season start to you i'd take anything at this point i check discord like randomly just waiting for somebody to throw something out like well, then, I mean, it won't be too Look, much longer until we get roster decisions, and then we that'll be that. And that then after roster decisions, it's the, the long run of like a trickle in of signings and then waiting for the schedule to drop. But oh, yeah, we we have to uh, we have to establish a schedule drop day, yeah, and then get annoyed when the league misses it by three weeks. It's a very, it's a very inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, it, of all garage league things, the fact that they always get the schedule drop is is can be months apart from each other year to year is quite obnoxious. It, it, and what did they what did they do this year? They they like teased home openers, and then they like teased the national schedule, national TV schedule, and then they like released the rest of it. It was like very choppy. Yeah, well, they've done like, the home, they've they've done the home opener thing for a while. Uh, the national schedule was a little wrinkled this year, um, but the, yeah, they've done the here's the home openers, and then here's the rest of the schedule like a week later or something along those lines, which I find terribly annoying because clearly you have the schedule done. Just give just give us the whole thing. I don't know why we need to send we need to send Jake Edwards like an iCalendar invite to like share his calendar. I think that's what it boils down to. We're going to get him on the podcast if we're going to do. But this is not a two-person uh, podcast tonight because there's a third member not to be forgotten, and that's a Yak. What's good, Yak? Uh... Does that right. summarize it? Yeah, about right. Cool. Did you get a workaround yet? A what? A workaround. I uh Oh, no, no, we're going to have to fall we're going to have to follow it in blind. Uh okay. USL Championships website does not want me to see the recap of the game that we're talking about, so the USL website is looking out memory. for your, uh, looking out for you is what it's doing. Yeah, nice guys them. <laughs> nice guys the USL website. But yeah, I guess we'll just we'll just get into it. Hound season's over. Uh, I'm still not quite accepting of that, but trying to make my way there. 
let's just lead off with that. Seth, um, in the stages of, oh. of grief, where are you at? Um, so I'm trying to remember the actual stages. I, somewhere between anger and acceptance, I'd say at this point. Um, you know, I was I was thinking about it earlier. I knew we were going at eight o'clock tonight. I was thinking about like this type of question. And the only thing that like really sticks out in my head from Saturday night is how incredibly long the seconds start to feel whenever you have a lead in a playoff game. Like we go up one Oh, and it was like the clock slowed down tremendously in my mind. Like I'd be like kind of not paying attention and I'd like look up at the score bug and only like 50 seconds had gone past and then we're up 2-0 and it felt like time was literally standing still so uh you know it definitely like i i i think the long answer short is in between grief or in between like anger and acceptance at this point yak where are you on on your progression towards accepting the the off seasons here We've been. I've been in depression since, you know, the second Danny Griffin's PK. Spoiler alert was uh, was stopped. Um, it took me an hour or two to kind of go through my history of of fandom across my various sports loyalties, and I've come to the decision that the game that we watched was the most hurt I've ever felt after a game. Wow. Um, and it's still a little empty. So we are still well into depression. Uh, along those lines, you were going to do a Halloween party afterwards. Was it was that even worth your time, or was that a good distraction, or were you just like that mopey guy in the corner? Uh, I, I flipped back and forth between being somewhat mopey and enjoying myself. For the most part, I enjoyed myself, but there was like, ah, fuck, every, I don't know, every so often. Yeah, I stayed at the at Bulldog for another beer or two. I think I was the last person, hounds wise, still in there. And I just, I think I just had the internal monologue of, of fuck, about a thousand times. Quietly had finished my drink and maybe another one, and then left. And people were trying to get me to go out to a Halloween party. Of course, I was not dressed up for anything like that, and I just ignored them all and, and called it a night. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not at bargaining. I'm not... I, I'm close to acceptance, but not, not quite there yet. Um, yeah. Not, not the best. This comment about like the agonizing weights of watching um, the clock trickle down once we were winning, and I actually was was somewhat enjoying it for the time because, you know, we weren't getting a whole lot of things done offensively, but like it was clear that Louisville was becoming frustrated. I'm like, I'm I'm just kind down like only thirty more minutes, guys. Thirty more minutes. Twenty more minutes, guys. And in those ten minutes, like Louisville hadn't done a ton of. You know, things of note. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to finally fucking do it. And, you know, we didn't fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Shit. Well, let's just uh, let's start with the Hound's Lamp because it's what we like to do around here. Much as what we were expecting, uh, no changes from the Birmingham game. Weight and goal. Williams Ordonez Wheat along the back. Uh, Rivera, Forbes, Griffin, Dixon, Cicerone, Mertz, Dequa up top by himself. Um, at least for me, I'm thinking lineup that. I mean, as a starting lineup, it, it didn't really get the job done. The week before in Birmingham, it, it required the subs to come in and uh, make the make the magic happen. But as we all talked about, we none of us wanted to see it change to the lineup, so I was generally happy with with that. Um, either of you guys terribly surprised to see the uh, the lineup stay the same, or did you think you know did, did kids do something to to break into the the starting lineup or? Anything like that, or uh, Yak, happy with the 11? Yeah, um, I, I was fine with Kiza not necessarily getting started. I would have been cool with if he did, but like I was assuming and was probably rooting for him to come off the bench again. I didn't have much beef with this. This lineup didn't come to too much of a surprise to anybody. I think it was more of uh, the opposing team's lineup that we were all kind of on pins and needles waiting for. Uh, Seth, you saw the starting lineup actually came out maybe even before an hour before kickoff. It came out early, um, but as expected. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of nailed this down as like the preferred 11. And so whenever I saw that we were running back the lineup from Birmingham, I was... I was pleased. I was. I. I think at this point of the year, like, you don't want to be trying to reinvent the wheel as far as rotate, as far as the lineup formation stuff like that goes. So, I. I was pleased at that point. Beautiful. And for Louisville, there was a couple of, of minor surprises because we got the the word out the day before that the. Uh, Injury report for Louisville included some questionables, including Brian Ombi, Cameron Lancaster, and former Hound goalkeeper Kyle Morton. And a lot of us were waiting for the Louisville lamp to drop with a bit of anticipation. And then, sure enough, Ombi and Morton completely out of the, the game day squad, and, and Lancaster uh, pushed to the bench. And at that moment, I felt a bit more optimistic about the Hounds' chances than I, I had before that, because I don't know what you two are thinking, but to me, come playoff time, questionable could be anything from from a 99% chance of playing down to a 0% chance of playing, or I guess maybe a 1% chance of playing. So I wasn't sure if this was a little bit of gamesmanship or uh, legitimate, questionable inclusions to the lineup. So I, I didn't want to get too... I mean, I'll just put out there too hopeful that they were not going to be involved in the game, but yeah, they two out of the three were completely out, and the air guy was on the bench. Uh, so I was feeling extra good as I was tearing into a an Italian hoagie at, at Bulldog. Yak, do you think those exclusions to the lineup were 
going to make a big difference or the Louisville just keeps fighting away. Oh yeah, I I had my hopes that I think I uttered the words. Actually, I don't, I don't quite remember how I phrased it, but if it was going to ever happen that we're going to upset Louisville in their in their stadium, it would be now with the way their their lineup was beaten up like that. Um, like Brian Ownby has haunted us for years. Kyle Morton almost got another Golden Glove this year. Or actually, I think he did, um, and he was the second All Team for the USL Cameron Lancaster, I think has a league uh, MVP to his name. Like all these dudes have a lot of experience with Louisville. We have grown to absolutely hate these names because they're on every lineup. Every time we played Louisville for the last four or five, six years to have all these big guns be sitting or at the very least banged up was definitely like uh, a glimmer uh, of hope leading up to this game. Seth, are you are you willing to admit that uh, you were happy to see injuries on the on the air side of the uh, the lineup sheet? Yeah. So whenever they announced like the day before the questionable players, I I my sinking suspicion was like, <clears throat> are they playing like the Bill Belichick? We're gonna put everybody that has like a blister on this to try to maybe freak Pittsburgh out a little bit. And then whenever they actually announced the lineup, I think like, I, I'm pretty sure I posted in discord, like we can beat this lineup with the, with Ownby out and with Lancaster being on the bench, Morton, not even dressing. I, I was really feeling optimistic that if there was a time for us to go into Lynn Family Stadium and beat Blue City, this was it. So, yeah, optimism abounds with Louisville's uh, starting lineup. Uh, Bulldog Pub was, uh, I'll say it was, it was packed. Um Last week, I didn't want to judge too much because there was a Sunday Steelers crowd kind of forming there as well. But I thought the Bulldog was packed. I thought, shit, 80% of that place was there for the Hounds. I don't know how you read the room. Yak, would you say it was, would you uh, say it's a fair character characterization? Yeah, it, it, it felt a little odder because there were a lot of people there an hour or more before kickoff when I got there. Um, just because, I don't know, it's a Saturday night at the the only pub in the neighborhood. Like, it was just packed. Um, but as the game got closer, yeah, it, we, I could definitely feel the the Hounds' presence being felt. We had three out of the five TVs on, and quite frankly, I think we probably could have gotten the fourth. Uh, I think we, we had basically cleared out the bar of casuals by that point, and almost everybody there was was paying attention to the soccer game. Seth, would you do the uh, watch at the old home front? Was that your your viewing experience? Yeah, so we had a uh, a sick daughter, so I was out in the living room with the dog, and uh, Lashandra and Izzy were watching from the bedroom. Uh, so um, I was trying to uh, not freak out at any given point too much to not like 
send the dog into an absolute tizzy. Um, but there was uh Lashandra and I were like texting back and forth between the between the bedroom and the living room and uh it was, you know, it was uh obviously we we're trying to take care of a sick kid, but yeah, I I I just have I'm just like sports on the couch guy at this point in life. Like I'm just like completely into that middle aged dad mode of like I only want to have to like walk get up and walk to the fridge and walk to my own bathroom. I don't want to have to wait in line for a beer. I'm I'm getting old quick, I feel like on that front. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's uh that's rough. Yeah. Beer beers yeah. with other people are usually kind of fun. It is. It is. It is. Uh I I also like I don't know. Saturday night I was like different level nervous. I think I think the optimism of that lineup from Loose City turned into like just like a festering anxiety of like, holy shit, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Like, I was. You're making me sad again, of, man. I know. You're like, you're I'm bringing making, my hopes up that somehow the, the hounds are going to pull this off. I'm I'm making myself sad again. Well, let me ask you both of you guys this question because this is probably going to be relevant for the way this conversation is going to go and I will admit myself I have not had the heart to rewatch the game or even watch the highlights of the game I, I've i tried I can't actually bring myself to do it yeah have, outside the the actual in person viewing live viewing have you watched any of this game back again I, I watched the highlights in the five to ten minutes before we turned this podcast on, um, but I otherwise really stayed away. Not as bad as I thought. I was I was more of a I got I got to do this to do a job mentality kind of thing. But like for actual enjoyment, I don't know if I'm ready to touch this shit. Like I couldn't even the, uh, I couldn't even do it knowing they're trying to talk about it. The, the example like the the Memphis Tampa Bay game apparently was also a little ass backwards at the end with a crazy ending i i'm i can't watch that it, it, it'll it'll put me through a spin seth have you watched any of this back again nope i've completely stayed away from it oh, this is gonna go well then as uh i i don't think i've i don't think i've watched the highlights of the 19 loose city loss i don't think i've watched the highlight i don't i know i've never watched the highlights of the best steel 2018 game because that would definitely probably put me into a just blind fit of rage at this point even still Russell Cicerone two goals uh, first one in the 14th minute and then take in the second half just on the other side of the break in the 47th minute Merz with one assist Forbes with the other um Especially the the first goal felt really really nice. Um, somewhat came out of nowhere. At least to me, it didn't. It, it the game had you know you're you're 14 minutes in, so now you're you're comfortably into the game, but not much has happened in terms of solid chances for either team that I can remember at that point. And you're just far enough into the game that you're giving your, your beer a little more attention and maybe having a quick word to the person next to you. And then slip boom. 
Mertz finds uh, uh, Cicerone. Cicerone finds the back of the net. And the Hounds have a lead in the first 15 minutes of the game. Uh, on all the permutations I went through on how this game could play out, the Hounds having a lead in the first 15 minutes was not one of them. The Hounds at any point being up 2-0 was certainly not any way I saw this game playing out. Seth, Cicerone not having a great game in Birmingham last week, comes back, uh, finds a net twice. The, the Do you have first a preferred one, goal? Yeah, preferred goal. What were your thoughts on him? Uh, the first one, the you know he like spins around with the ball, and he he just really did such a nice job of like identifying where the keeper was sliding across the line and where the defender was on his hip. And he just took it so well. Like he, it was like, he just knew exactly where everybody was in that moment. Like didn't, didn't freak out. Didn't just try to like immediately one time rifle it as quick as he could. Um, I thought that was just absolutely beautiful goal from Russ. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of going into Saturday night thought if the hounds were going to have any shot, they were going to have to do something in the first 20 minutes. And they obviously 15, 14 minutes in, they grabbed that goal. So, uh, I was, I was on cloud nine at that point. Yeah, to me, the, this midfield kept Louisville at bay for large parts of the game, and they, they made the contest a bit of a slog, which is what you want to do on the road, and they did a decent job of taking the crowd out of it. 8,000 changed, somewhat small crowd for Louisville. Uh, obviously, you could see all the protest banners behind the, the goal to, to the viewer's right. Between the Cicerone goals and and the midfield kind of making the game boring, uh, were you feeling optimistic about where, where the Hounds were going? And then your thoughts on the goals themselves. Yeah, so at, at this point when Cicerone scored, like Louisville had had the bulk of possession. Um, they didn't get too close. I was I was a little bit unnerved by how much Louisville was getting possession. I think their final number is somewhere around like 68, but I get my stats are a little messed up because USL championship is being whack. Um, but they weren't getting too, too close. Our shape was, was really doing wonders out on the defensive side. And then Cicerone has this, his first touch to bring this down, I think is really incredible because I don't think he expected the ball to get to him. It really looks like up until the last split frame second it looks like it's heading for Forbes's head and then he's knocked over by um he's knocked over by the defender he's crushed and it kind of falls in the Cicerone's foot and he his touch takes him away from goal he's got his one defender on the side and he's he basically is got his back to the goal 360 no scopes it in such a fashion that the goalie can't see the ball until it's well off his foot at that point Cicerone placed it so well, he was never ever getting to it. It was just such a good shot. Like to see him score in that fashion after a, a fairly rough game one, 
was was just really heartwarming and really got the the blood flow and i thought like you know through all of that mess of the first 15 minutes and very little possession you know we're up one that's awesome like hopefully it kind of stems the tide gets us some momentum like we're off and running here so then the hounds make it two nil uh just after break to which i'm my assumption would be whatever Louisville was kind of discussing at, at halftime goes a bit out the window. What I do want to get into is what do the Hounds do after they go up to nothing? Because they they really don't bunker or park the bus that much. Um, if anything, the more up until I mean this sounds like a dumb thing to say, but I'll say it anyways. Up until the Louisville scored two goals in three minutes. All the better chances for Louisville came in the first half, not really in the second half. Um, Seth, do you do you like do you like the decision from the Hounds to, for lack of a better phrase, keep playing the same way up to nothing? I I, I do because I think in in a match like that against a team like Louisville that uh, I think I think we talked about this last week or maybe I read it somewhere like they had scored so many uh, I think like over two-thirds of their goals this year in the second half um, I, I really thought that it was it was probably better off for the hounds to keep with going with what was working rather than try to make a dynamic change of style at that point um, you know, I, I know, like, I, I think Bob's hand got forced a little bit early, that earlier than he would have liked to with taking off Williams and Rivera sitting on yellows. Um, that, I think, is strictly a game management. You don't want, you don't want to, you know, one of those guys to have to, like, make, an, make a necessary file on somebody and run the risk of picking up the second yellow and now you're down to 10. Uh, so I think that was uh, a fair decision on Bob's part. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see any problem with keeping up the style that they were in. Then the other big tactical decision that probably needs to be discussed, we already brought up that Rivera and Williams came out in the 58th minute for Jolene Peters and Kelly Rosales. Again, Rivera and, and Mikel were both seen on cautions in Probably makes sense why they came out at that time. But then we jump to the 82nd minute. Bob makes his, his next double substitution. Uh, Alex Dixon and Cicerone, the goal scorer, comes out. Uh, Mark Barron and Toby Sims come in. That's in the 82nd minute. And the next minute is when things turn south. Yak. putting correlation between the substitutions and the things going sideways or, or just um, just happenstance? My, my ultra conspiracy theorist uh, self is saying, yeah. When I was watching the subs come in live, it's so it's already the 82nd minute. Like, in a, in a normal game that ends in 90 minutes, we are absolutely for sure making our third and fourth subs at this point in time. But something in the back of my mind was like, I, I really wish we didn't have to sub these guys in yet. And this was as Louisville was taking the free kick that would result in the goal. And it was, who, who came off again? It was 
Cicerone and Dixon, two guys who um, would never ever like be the main people defending a free kick anyway. So like it like it made so much sense on its face to be like, yeah, bring in Sims, the defender, and bring in um, Marky Barra, a, a kind of defensive midfielder. Like this, it on the surface it makes so much sense. And like I as as it was happening, like I just wish. It just didn't. We just didn't quite make the subs in yet. I and I don't. Neither of those two dudes were around the ball as it came in. I don't think it was their marks that got free for Louisville's goal, but it was like again, just tinfoil hat time. Something in me as the subs were happening. Like I just wish we delayed it a couple more minutes. So yeah, Manny Perez scores uh, off that set piece for Louisville, and it's two one. My whole. Th- thought it in my mind maybe being a bit fatalistic uh, I'm thinking if Louisville scores one they're probably scoring two even at that point with eight minutes plus salvage time remaining uh, Storino was the confidence still there for you when the, the Hounds go down 2-1 when the Hounds go down 2-1 uh, go, so, I was still yes yeah, I'm sorry not go down 2-1 but uh, concede to make it 2-1 that's right about the time where I started watching the game. I was at a surprise party for my mom. Shout out, mom. Happy birthday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I literally turned the game on probably two or three minutes before this happened and uh, seeing that the Hounds were letting in goals right as I turned the game on. It actually made me think I should probably just stop watching so I don't jinx it. And I continued to watch the game. So you guys could probably blame me for some of that. But, yeah, I mean – from the little bit I saw before they scored, it seemed like the Hounds were still pressing and still playing pretty hard, but it bummed me out for sure to see that, you know, we let in a goal right as I turned the game on. So this is all your fucking fault, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I would say to some degree it is. Well, shit. I own it. All right. I own it. At least someone around here is taking responsibility for how things go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's 2-1. Um, Louisville, on the ensuing kickoff, basically get the ball right back, get possession, kick the ball around, find a little opening, take it into the box, and uh, foul committed by Shane Wheat. Uh, to me, it seems soft. Bob, in his post-game comments, didn't argue the, the call at all. Uh, Seth, do you want to... Take one side or the other on this fair call, reasonable call, bullshit call. I am going to begrudgingly say it was a fair call just because there were two offside calls against Louisville earlier in the match that I wasn't necessarily sure one way or the other on. And, you know, the... I think the nature of the beast is it's a league that we don't have VAR in. So it, your, your decision comes down to the, to the three officials and they obviously saw something there that Kizza wasn't in a onside position whenever the ball was played. There was no camera angle. You, you ju- you're already jumping ahead to, to add a time here, man. Oh, sorry. I I think sorry. I was texting, and I think my mind was going somewhere else. <laughs> uh, yak, fair call, uh, bullshit call, somewhere in the middle. 
not bullshit, fair-ish. I would I would think more times than not that's that's a tackle that gets let go in the box. Um, but it's not like the most egregious call in the world. Like uh, on a on a on a spectrum that probably gets called like let's let's say a third of the time, and we just came up short that particular time. Um, you mentioned in the lead up talking about it, like giving up possession, like right off the kickoff immediately was like, Oh, great. This is, this is already going South so quickly. And I didn't realize how South it would go so quickly. And the ensuing kick, uh, penalty kick is taken by motherfucking Cameron Lancaster, motherfucking Cameron Lancaster, who had subbed in about 12 minutes earlier at this point in the game. Starina, we saw Jamal White save three PKs last week. Uh, feeling somewhat optimistic that uh, he can pull a rabbit out of his head? I absolutely was. I uh, actually thought, too, um, once we got to the point of, you know, pens that, you know, we actually ironically would have the game in the bag at that point, even though we went up 2 nothing and then forced penalties at this point. I actually had the confidence that since we went to pens, that we actually had it and we survived that extra time. But uh, yeah, that, that was incorrect. Yeah. Uh, if I remember this one correctly, cause I don't want, I don't want to mix it in with the, uh, the air ones. I think the weight go, go the right side on this one or, or should wait, I say the cor- guess correctly? He, yeah. He, he got, went, he went through, I don't want to, I hate yeah. saying that he guessed correctly. Cause I, especially after last week, he was, he was definitely picking something up. Um, they were educated guesses. But he goes he in the correct did, direction, but just can't quite get to it. He even did his little hop step that I thought might be a tell in the future that he did against Birmingham. He, he got the hop step correctly and dove towards the side of Lancaster wet, but Lancaster just, he, he smoked it. Like, he, he put it where no keeper in the world's getting it. Not much he can do. To which, the, look, I mean, this is maybe, okay, tangent time. I Just run up to the ball, pick a fucking corner and kick it. And if you do that, the keeper's never going to get it. Um, you could you could take your panekas, you could take your your a thousand little stutter step bullshit things, pick a corner and blast it, and you're going to score. And that was a, an example of it. Even when Jamali guessed slash figured out where the ball was going to go, he still wasn't going to get to it because it was well-placed with some pace. Just step up and hit a fucking ball. Um... Hope that wasn't too aggressive. Seth, was that fine? Was that too much? Or was that fine? No, I'm in the same uh, line of thought. Like I, I hate like the Bruno Fernandez run up and jump PK. Like that pisses me off more than anything in the world. So to watch Lancaster just run up and just absolutely smash that thing into the bottom left hand corner, I just kind of sat there like good on you you mean that guy's such a professional like he you you i i had very little confidence that we were saving that when i saw lancaster step up to it and that's going to take us beyond the 90 minutes and we'll go into uh play an extra 30 minutes for the second week in a row regulation ends tied uh, regulation ends tied and we're going to go uh Play an extra half hour. Hell, let's just jump right to it. Uh, 
biggest part of the ad time, Kizza finds the back of the net, uh, but it's chalked off for an offside call. Seth, we, you already brought up that you are not sure one way or the other if it was off, or you're, at, at best you're, you're willing to accept that it was it, uh, the, the one shot we have from the game wide camera is inconclusive. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not, I wouldn't be willing to throw it out there that the that call was incorrect. You just, it's too hard to tell. Anyone else want to take a venture, I guess, on uh, that call being good, terrible, or, um, you know, you're watching a game from a, a bar in, in Pittsburgh and not on the, the touchline at Louisville, and it is what it is. The only the only look that we have on the YouTube highlights, I think he's off. It's first of all, it's obviously very very. It's close. very tight. If I if I had the balls to go back to the ESPN broadcast and slow it down, get my PC to do like frame by frame analysis, I can probably get out give the, like the a cat really software. accurate guess. But as mentioned before, none of us have the the nads right now to go rewatch the game. So I'm gonna let let this one stand as bad bad luck. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Dan, let me ask you a question as an official. Sure. In in a league where you do not have VAR, are you not probably going to err on side of the caution that the if it's that close, the play is probably off? I, I mean, the, the standard instruction is that is that the the player is on an onside position till he, till he or she proves otherwise um and if you're if you're not sure let the play go um i mean obviously in var you're gonna keep that flag anything tight you're gonna keep the flag down regardless and, and then let the let the the technology figure it out for you uh but in that, i mean that situation it, the lines ar saw enough to to flag it off. I mean, and and to their credit, it, it did not wait. You could hear the the referee's whistle blow for the offside before the ball's in the net. So it wasn't. It was not a uh, a hesitation or or a wishy washy call. It was it was pretty fast and definitive. To which I also that made me the bad guy at the bar as everyone started celebrating that I was trying to be the the the, the killjoy and tell everyone to stop being happy. So I had to be that guy. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love being that guy. That was awesome. And you also have to take into consideration, like, it, it's the league quarterfinals. Like, you have probably pretty solid officiating crews work in the match. Like, so, you're not, you know, you they're they're not putting the, the C team out there to go ref a Eastern Conference semifinal. You're going to... You're gonna have some pretty reputable, reliable guys at that point, right? And girls. Yeah, and again, I I always look up a little quick like background on on the refs. Not as much uh, stats available on ARs, although I've, I've not really tried before. Maybe yeah, I'll try that in the future. See if, what kind of AR stats are out there. Um, but yeah, at the end, <sighs> inclusive of best, and certainly not enough for me to. Pound the table that the the hounds got got fucked on a call, um, and it goes back to me. I they should have 
you're up to nothing with eight minutes to go. You, you, you should have seen the game out. Should have seen the game out. So we go to spot kicks. Um, again, weight saved three of them last week, and I'm I'm feeling fairly confident. You got weight who just did this last week. He's already seen one kick this week, uh, and on the air side is Louisville's backup who played five five matches in the league this year. So you're thinking if there's any any stock in in the goalkeepers that. Checkmark advantage goes goes to the Hounds. Yak, feeling confident based on on the keeper situation, or just going straight to fatalistic Hounds fan. Confidence would be a, a strong word, but I definitely um, was liking how things may have fallen our way. Might have been favored on it or something. Was somewhere that was somewhere around my. Uh, mental thought process. I thought we we had as good of a chance as anybody. Probably a better chance of Louisville to do this. Storino, on a scale of one to five, one to ten, and five is it's a coin flip. One is no chance of winning, and ten is absolutely going to play next week. Where was your confidence at going into kicks from the mark? Yeah, like I said before, honestly, I, I thought we lucked out making it through the extra time. So, in my opinion, we were probably at like a seven and a half or an eight. I thought we would be favored heavily more in the penalties than uh, than not. So, in my opinion, I actually was almost relieved to see us get through all the extra time and uh, force pens. Yeah. Uh, another fun thing to, to bring out here. Lancaster came in on in the 69th minute, scored in the 85th, and then nice. came, yes, nice, and then exited the game at the start of the extra half hour. So came in and came out, uh, and so now your your goal score on a penalty is not available uh, to take uh, to take one of these kicks. Louisville goes first. Um, They make it and up stops Danny Griffin. Um, not to throw too much weight on it, but you're still only player of the year and solid, solid uh, player. Uh, converted a PK last week and yeah, how would you describe the uh, describe the attempt? Not outrageously bad. Uh, give me. Um, I got to pull it up here. Just give me a second as I'm trying to get ready here. I don't know. Easy to guess, maybe. He placed it decently. It just wasn't as fast as Lancaster's, and the goalie got way out there pretty quickly. Again, I, I've got on one viewing of this, and I don't remember it being – I mean, obviously, if, if it was perfect spot and pace, it, it, it scored. Um. Maybe a little soft if I if I am remembering it correctly, but it it wasn't right at the keeper or something like that. No. Yeah. Seth, Hounds were down one nil after the first round of kicks. Where's that confidence at now? So, this is like my full disclosure. I had a very 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 bad feeling 
about the hand about the hounds chances to advance after Louisville scored the first goal, like in the 83rd. So I was pretty low confidence going into kicks. Uh, obviously like Toch is just like ridiculous from the spot this year when he scored his, I just kind of felt like the writing was on the wall that this was, this was the hounds exit song at this point. So zero. Zero confidence, no confidence. Even with a keeper that, that saved three last week that does nothing for you. I I hate to, I hate to keep like singing Louisville's praises, but it, it's Sing, just apples and, apples and oranges comparing Louisville to Birmingham, in my opinion. Just riffing this off the top of my head, but I remember the stat that I looked up from last week. Louisville was a perfect 9-0 in the regular season from the spot. Oh, I don't think I even looked that up. Did not even think so. So now they're uh, 15-0. Hmm. Wonderful. Uh, next eight ki- or I guess you actually just say the next seven kickers because the the hounds didn't need to take their last because at that point they were uh, they were out of it, and that that ends your uh, that ends your your twenty twenty two campaign. Uh, that bar got pretty quiet pretty quickly. Um, Serena, what are your first your first thoughts? First thirty seconds after the season's over, where's your head at? Well, I mean, my initial thought is is you know, who's coming back next year? What's this team going to look like? And realistically, what what needs to change? In my opinion, and at that time, I don't know that I had an instant answer, but you know, immediately after, it just it really bummed me out. Um, I'm sure. I, I would have been, you know, pretty upset had I been at the bar with all you guys. But uh, yeah, I think my just initial thought was definitely something needs to change. The, the you know, I, I think Eastern Conference Finals next year just needs to be the goal at the very least. Um, just kind of not necessarily sick of. I don't want to say sick of, but it just kind of is upsetting when you see a team that seems like they can make it almost all the way or all the way constantly. Just you know not i mean 2019 was a year that should have happened for us and it didn't and i mean ever since then i think that's just kind of been the measuring stick is the quality of team that we had then that couldn't make it why can't we replicate that go further so seth what's what what was more sick uh your daughter saturday night or you continuously watching the hounds falter to louisville in the playoffs well, I'd say that was a pretty fair toss-up at that point. Um, for some reason, and it happened to me immediately after the game, and I've gone back to this thought process no fewer than five times since then, Since then, is during the match at one point, <clears throat> um, they were bringing up on the broadcast talking about, like, the the 2015 Rochester Rhinos and I I don't know like sound quality of what you guys had in the bar if you heard about this 
uh, or not. But it it was it was one of those things. I, I'm like, as I've been trying to like figure out like why hasn't Bob had that level of success here? Kind of thought process. It it it's it, it's 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 tough for me to like try to figure out like that team like did he catch lightning in a bottle with a lot of those guys that were in their early 20s like the Sean like Sean Toch uh Asani Samuels Tony Walls Canardo Forbes like was that just kind of like right place at the right time and it's been really hard for him to replicate that type of a quality roster in Pittsburgh I don't think that's necessarily the case per se because I think Bob's an extremely good talent evaluator. Uh, I, I think there's been very few guys that he's brought in that have been just an absolute swing and a miss uh, in his now, I guess, what, six seasons? Uh, somebody said six, and I was trying to do the math. Five full seasons, whatever. Five. Uh, plus five, yeah. Obviously, like the two kind of wonky uh, COVID years in there. And so I, I, my mind Saturday night just kind of like went immediately to the, why can't we have nice things mentality? <laughs> uh, so that that's where I've been for the last uh, four days. So uh, I'll probably ponder it at least five more times. Uh, as I, I even like Sunday afternoon i was out working on and i was mulching up leaves in our backyard and i was just like riding around on the mower just like looking at the ground like thinking through things i'm just like what why the hell hasn't he been able to replicate that just juggernaut team here so i guess i went extremely philosophical in that moment uh season endings are, are a good time to get philosoph- philosophical to uh, philosophize, shall I say? Not even that. Oh, yeah, what would the word be? I'm not sure, and I'm not even going to try to think about that right now. <laughs> no. Yak, would all these playoff exits feel different if it, excluding uh, the COVID exit, would. These playoff exits not feel as bad if it wasn't the same fucking team every time. I think so. Yeah, um, I had I had, was kind of accepted before the game that there's a decent chance we're getting eliminated tonight, um, and that was before the that was before the lineups had come out, and I was suddenly a bit more optimistic. My ears might have perked up a bit, but by the end, it was like these these fucking guys fleeced us again fleeced another team again because they have all sorts of last second bullshit in their favor um in uh, across the years of success that they've had now it's getting really fucking annoying like 19 was well the ride there was fun enough as it was like you can't bring me down from that at least 2020 uh, part of me was just happy the year had gotten off truthfully after the hell that was the spring and 2022 well now i'm like thoroughly pissed off and like i think my mentality approaching games wants to change like i'm always very cordial towards away fans or when i'm an away fan 
and I want to hang out with the other team's fans. And like, it's kind of like a camaraderie thing. Like, Hey, we're both doing this dumb thing of following lower division soccer in America together. We can't be that much enemies. And now at this point, I was like, no, fuck you. I hope we beat you by 17 right now. (laughs) Death. That was that was beautiful. Yak. I don't want yeah. I, I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to share drinks with you anymore. I don't want you on Thunderstruck or whatever. Like you go over there and have a safe ride home. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Uh guys, any, before we uh we we put a lid on this game. Um uh, no, next week the next week's podcast is going to be more of a season recap. So if you're for looking for uh, kind of wider uh, thoughts on the year. Save it for, or you'll hear it next week. Uh, with that said, guys, any any final thoughts on uh, this game or, or thoughts as the Hounds exit the, exit the playoffs? No. Okay. Beautiful. Uh <laughs> Like I said before, I, I'm I'm getting close to acceptance. I don't think I'm I'm quite there yet. Um, clearly, I'm, I have not been able to watch the the highlights or watch, rewatch the game. Hopefully, that'll come in the next couple of days. I, I plan on doing it before uh, before roster decisions are made. But I'll work through that on my uh, my own time, shall we say? Uh, whew, yeah. But guys, you want to move on to something more positive? Because I want to, I want to do that. And um, today, being Wednesday, the second of November, the Hounds had their ribbon cutting on the new Montour Junction facility um, in partnership with AHN. Uh, this thing took longer than expected. Obviously, COVID and kind of all the issues that have been knock-on effects of COVID led to this being a much longer process. Uh, the wishful thoughts that this team was going to be ready at the beginning of the season did not come true, but they uh, they cut a ceremonial ribbon and they did tours for the media and the indoor facility, as best we can tell, outside of word is maybe the locker rooms aren't done yet, but the the offices and the medical center part of it, and obviously the, the turf is down there, and they're ready to start uh, making business happen down at the, the Montour Junction site. Seth, obviously this is this is a somewhat big deal for multiple reasons. What what are your hopes for for the club now that this this project is is at or very near the end of uh, end of completion? I think this sets the hounds apart in the USL as far as having a facility like that a, a training facility like this uh that potentially possibly might be a little bit of a nice benefit if uh, you know if i'm a player and i'm i'm comparing two teams that i might you know they're down to my free agent decision and i'm looking at overall facilities uh, maybe this helps swing that uh that decision in the hound's favor um but i th- I think most importantly, I think is, is it really creates a world-class facility for amateur soccer and youth soccer in southwestern Pennsylvania. 
I think it'll be huge for the Riverhounds Academy to have a place like this uh, to host tournaments. Um, you know, I I know the Hounds have like sent teams to like the USL Academy tournament, whatever they, you know, those like showcases. Uh, I, I I think that having a facility like this with the multiple fields all being you know fifa quality turf all that good stuff i think it, you potentially see us getting into those rotations not everything's gonna be in tampa anymore um i i think it's a i think it's a huge stepping stone for not only the pittsburgh riverhounds as a professional soccer team but i think it really helps grow the game in southwestern western pennsylvania uh and really i mean I, I don't think i don't think anybody else in in this area has anything to even kind of like come close to it unless you're going to columbus so i think it's huge yeah if we're gonna say that uh the building and opening of highmark stadium is the peak of the hounds evolution as a professional franchise where where does this complex fall in re- relationship to that? Being like on a sliding scale, it's yes. probably pretty close to it. I mean, this is the equivalent for the Riverhounds Academy, I think. Because now they, they have to be like the, the premier looking uh, team for, for kids to, to be on an academy team in Pittsburgh, I would think, with all that. And I would hope that as alluded to that this complex gets more stadium, gets more, more funds going into the team so that maybe the academy becomes cheaper or that the professional team is able to splurge more on expenses, things like that. I hope that um, Highmark Stadium becomes more available for cool shit that isn't necessarily soccer because we don't need to have as many days open because the academy team needs to practice or play there or something. Um, I hope players like Wyatt Borso don't become the exception and that the 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 uh can't think of the word i want to use but um he shouldn't be the only academy kid that's getting looks on a big time college soccer team and and even uh looks on the professional team as as a 17 or 18 year old kid almost every team in the league um has an academy that is producing at least a player that is getting looks by the professional team when they're still in high school. Like it's not outside the norm for somebody younger than wide Borso to be at least on some teams rosters, at least for a time. Um, I remember back a couple years ago when I was still in shape and going to like Pisa every now and then um, there was like a um, big old whiteboard of all the players of all the local academies that were, that had just graduated high school were going off to play soccer in college. And like the Riverhounds' girls list was very extensive. Like the Riverhounds had sent a lot of players and a lot of years to some big D1 schools. And the boys list was two. And one of them was not D1. Like that, that shit cannot fly anymore. And it would help make the pro team better and make it a more standout thing for the soccer community at large. Yeah, on that, on that side... Storino, uh, looking back at this last game, just the try title together, uh, of the f- five penalty takers for Louisville, two were were academy graduates for him. Do you have hope that that the opening of this in- 
inclusive of what it does for just the pro team on itself, is is there a realistic chance that this helps build a an actual pathway to the first team from the academy without um, without setting guys to college first, where they they can jump from from the academy into a, a professional setting and and forget the college years and and contribute mean, in meaningful ways to the first team. I mean, yeah, everything the guy has already said. I mean, I really think it'll make players think twice about possibly going the college route if you know if their end goal is to play professional. So it might help, you know, some guys come up through the ranks, um, keep them in house, and not venture off to college and possibly get picked up by another team elsewhere. So yeah, I mean, it's this facility is just going to be. I mean, there's there's really no, there's not a negative to it. It's only going to be all positive. And like Seth said, I mean, it's going to. Draw players in because they're going to look at this facility as you know top notch, and I mean it's you, you can't say a bad thing about it. I mean it's just going to be nothing but positives. And I'm like a five minute drive from the place, so sorry, hounds. You might uh, you might have to get used to me snooping around there probably more than you want, but that's how it's going to be. But yeah, uh, and when, and when we're all said and done of uh, going and watching. Uh, preseason match there will all pile into cobble house afterwards yes uh as a as a proud mug club member at the cobble house i am i'm all for that and the uh there's a cider place right around the block from there called uh snappies pretty pretty good neville so, island stand up hell yeah man hell yeah <sighs> i like it yeah uh before we get into uh, some Steel Army news, let's take a, a moment to... Um... Hell, there's there's three games left in the USL Championship calendar, and two of them are, are this weekend, uh, West and East uh, Finals. And they are on two separate days. Uh, we are going, I believe we're going... Are we going... I think we're going Saturday-Sunday is the... Uh, is the plan. Yes, that is the plan. So we'll go uh, in chronological order. Guys, uh, Saturday night, 7.30, Louisville hosting Tampa. Louisville, obviously we discussed how they got there. Tampa, if you guys, and this includes everyone listening to this, if you have not seen uh, the last two and a half minutes of Tampa Memphis' game, fucking batshit crazy. Uh, I don't want to give it away. Obviously, Tampa advances, uh, but absolute fucking bonkers, crazy shit. Uh, Louisville, Tampa. Storino, I'll start with you. Who do you like? Tampa. Tampa. All right. Um, it's kind of I'm, 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 that's where I'm at too. Um, I thought Tampa was the team, the one team I didn't want to see the Hounds face, and I, I, I got my wish. I guess. Wonderful. Uh, Yak. Who do you like in this one? Meteor. All right. Seth? Uh, man, I really hate to, like, feel like such a, like, loose city supporter. Like, I, I just, if they get, if they get, like, half those guys back healthy, I know, uh, Kerr had said on the broadcast, uh, Saturday night, like, when they, pulled Lancaster from the match that he was only probably fit for 25 30 if 
he's healthy to go, you know, 50, 60 this week. If they get Morton back, if whatever his uh, muscle issue gets figured out, I, I'm still kind of thinking that Louisville's still the team to beat in the East. And then Sunday, uh, 8.30 kickoff. Colorado Springs go into San Antonio. Yak. Um, the Meteors already landed out in Louisville. Not available for this game. Who do you got? Man, San Antonio has just been way too tough to beat at home. I'm going to go with them. Storino? I'm going with Colorado because I think they're the probably the closest team to not necessarily the underdog, but I think they are the least likely team to win at this point, and I'd rather see that team succeed. Uh, Seth. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it does make sense. And when I give you my pick, I'll, I'll be somewhat along with you there. Seth, uh, Monterey Bay kicked out uh, Ari Alvett. Who you like? San Antonio, oh, Colorado. You're, you're joking, right? Monterey Bay is out? They're out. They did not that, make the West fact, Final. Holy shit. I am absolutely just depressed now. The Hounds and Monterey Bay both done. No, I think I'm with Yak. I think San Antonio is just way too tough to beat as far as how it goes. I mean, obviously, in Colorado, Hodgeberry, he anything happens when that guy touches oh, the ball. Oh, man. Oh, Seth. Is this a bit? This Is this a bit? <laughs> Got you guys. No, I'm going San Antonio. Okay. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Fucker. Um, I'm, I'm going to go San Antonio, but God, I really want to see Colorado Springs do it. Not because I, I give a shit about Colorado Springs or San Antonio. Um, I just want to see Colorado Springs do it because they were kind enough to tell the world that they were going to lose a game two hours before kickoff and those fuckers were awesome for doing that. So I, I wish all the best to them. What a, what a plot twist for their season, right? <laughs> right. Actually. Yeah. Biggest glow up in USL history. <laughs> Ju- yeah. In July there in July, they're literally forfeiting a match on Twitter two hours before the game. And now they're in the Western conference. Finals. <laughs> yeah. Again, I this league. Why do people watch MLS when this league is sitting right there for them to to enjoy, and it's way more enjoyable and just batshit chaotic? Open your eyes, sheeple. Embrace the USL. See how much money it takes to get in the building for the uh, MLS final this weekend. I, I it was two hundred and change. I thought, and then they they don't have any fucking parking either. It uh, it probably starts with the three now. The, the parking article absolutely just had me floored. Like, could you imagine, like, the Hounds hosting the USL Championship and it falls no, on, can't. like, this, the same day as, like, <laughs> this is theoretical, uh, Dan, or hypothetical. Uh, you know, and then, like, the Clarks are playing at Heinz Field and Puffy <laughs> sold the lot out the parking for that. Like,. <laughs> Where would this city be without its parking? Uh, <laughs> Everybody's just parking at 6th and Penn and walking over. Uh, uh, thank, thank you, MLS, for... I lo- and the thing with that press release, too, was 
obviously we're, we're this far off the track now. Who gives a shit? They made it sound so pleasant and just like, look at all these parking options and transportation options we have for you. Like, they were like doing a real big fucking favor for you by not having their parking lots available. I just, uh, it was it was quite the spin. I can't, I can't wait to follow along on Twitter and see how long people are waiting for the park and ride shuttle from, from Dodger, Dodger Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. Like, I, I can't wait for people being like, I've been standing in line for two hours to ride to the stadium the match kicks off in 45 minutes and i'm not even gonna make it to my seat for kickoff there was someone joking that the uh, la galaxy should offer a park and ride um and then people who always complain about uh not wanting to drive out the carson to follow the soccer team will then ironically drive the carson so they can go watch the soccer game that would be great yeah this this gives a whole new meaning to el trafico <laughs> No, it's why why watch MLS when USL is right there again. If if you have any questions, go watch the last two and a half minutes of that Memphis uh, uh, Tampa game, and then realize that the team, one team in the West final, f- declared that they weren't going to win a game two hours before. I, this fucking league, guys. This I, it's a garage league. I hate this league, but I fucking love it. I really do. Yeah. Um, time for some Stu Army news. Uh, hey, we're hosting a holiday party. It is on December 9th. That's a Friday. Uh, 6.30 p.m. at the Frick Pittsburgh, which I just learned this week is not the same as Frick Park. Um, they are two separate things. So don't go to Frick Park, or if you do, but you uh, you won't be at the party if you do that. Uh so yeah, we uh, we got dibs on a on a swanky place in the city to hold our holiday party. Seth, assuming you're gonna be there and, and you will be there, are you excited for the classiest thunderstruck you've ever experienced? Uh, rumor has it that my birthday might fall in that week. So where else would I rather celebrate turning 34 than? With all of my closest friends. Beautiful. Good answer. Beautiful. Storino, uh, good chance this is a, a one and done at this place. They, we, we will be uh, explicitly uninvited back for next year, or do you think we can uh, we can do a good enough job and stick around for a second year? Can we stick around for next for ne- another year, if not more? Um, I'm pretty excited about this place, to be honest. I'm very happy that we got the connect we did with for. Uh, Hooking this up through Ariana. Yeah, I um, I was just doing like a quick research on this place. We have no business being in here at all. Not at all. No, <laughs> not, at all. not fucking at all. So no matter no matter what happens, because we probably won't be allowed back in. I hope she doesn't get fired from this. That's all I need. Yeah, that makes <laughs> me feel bad. Yeah, when I was looking this place up, I my mind immediately went to probably I'm gonna wear a suit with my Joe Greenspan jersey underneath the jacket. Like in lieu of the, the dress shirt? That's you'll incredible, just go actually. Uh, yeah. I kind of like that. That's, yeah, that's like class it up like a Steelers Sunday in church. So if we do like a big group photograph there, what, what do we, where do we take the photograph at? Because they have like a, bun- they have a bunch of cool shit, from what I can tell. We've got to find the, 
find the most expensive thing and and make sure everybody has been drinking heavily for a very long time the most expensive thing that they don't rope off from us (laughs) and this is how we get uninvited before the day even comes oh yeah Yeah. please don't show this podcast to these people (laughs) we can we can move barriers oh fuck yeah, so uh, everyone's invited to this. Clearly, it's going to be a good time. Uh, you don't have to be a Stormy member. Uh, you just have to be someone who uh, who is an enthusiast of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, we'll get the connections out to the club. See, uh, you know, Bob has made appearances at these in years past. Um, some other front office folks have done it. A couple of players have done it. So, see if we can make that happen again. Um, and it's going to be a good old time. And that. We'll kind of unofficially end the the 2022 Steel Army year um, up until the AGM in February. So yeah, we'll be bugging you about that for the next whatever six weeks, actually more like four or five weeks until uh, until that happens because we want we want all of you there. Yes, you. That includes you listening to this right now. Yes, that includes you, Fez. Get your ass over here from from England, and um, we will supply. Supply you with some alcohol, and it's gonna be a damn good time, gentlemen. We've uh, been going at it for an hour and fifteen minutes or so. It's been a good chat, but it's time to to let everyone know what you learned tonight. Um, I'll give you guys a moment to uh, to think about that while I give uh, kind of repeat the answer I I said before, in that I learned not tonight but just. A couple of days ago, that the Frick of Pittsburgh is not the same as Frick Park, and as the guy who's in charge of the Steel Army Twitter account throwing out Frick Park, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, I'm afraid there's gonna be like one person who saw that one tweet and go straight to Frick Park on December 9th, even though we're gonna tell people a thousand times otherwise that's not where it's at. There'll be one person who goes there and wonders where it's at, and I will feel like an asshole. Yak. What'd you learn? All right. Well, to be fair, I didn't learn dick, but I'm going to plug in that Duquesne is hosting uh, an 810 tournament game for their men's soccer team for the first time on Saturday at seven. If you're not terrified of soccer forever and ever, um, go support local university soccer and hope they make the NCAA tournament. Go Dukes. Starina, what you got? Uh, I mean, the Penguins are playing right now. Uh, Buffalo just scored three, two, I realized there was a lot more hype around the Robo Penguin logo than I actually thought there ever was. Um, I was never in the camp of anti Robo Penguin because essentially that was the logo I grew up with. So the Penguin switching over to the Skating Penguin was almost like a throwback to me, given the timing of it. Um, I don't know that I dig the jersey though. I think they kind of played a little lazy. I know they went the reverse retro route of the original whites. I think they should have went with the blacks and reverse retro those. I like the Robo Pen. Um, I'm even fine with them not having the gradient on on these ones, even though I think the gradient looks a little bit better. My issue is that the shade of yellow they're going with, when you if you can't see the chest, if you're just looking at the shoulders and the back, which you get a lot uh, from you know the game camera, they look like they're the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think they just kind of were. I don't think this, these stripes or something about this jersey just doesn't look right as a 
reverse retro. Something about it's just kind of lazy to me. I don't know. Yeah, I I like them a lot more, kind of in the in the promo material. And then again, I'm I'm pro Robo Pen. I just don't like how this iteration was was done. However, uh, Zucker scoring a goal and then doing the the auger salute was fucking sweet. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I just turned the game on to just catch that. I literally sat on my couch, turned it on, and I saw it in the replay. Seth, what did you learn tonight? Uh, I'm doing some reading on the Frick Pittsburgh, and in their uh, article about ready to explore, it says, at the Frick Pittsburgh, get ready to experience art, history, and nature. And I don't think I've ever heard three words that could not describe our our Steel Army organization any poorly, any more poorly. Wait, we so, we do art. Uh, yeah. So we make tifos. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we we stand outside in parking lots for long extended periods of time, and abstract we, art, and we. Uh, history we know the history of the pittsburgh girl house all right never mind I, we we do encapsulate their mantra we've we've so, should have been partying at this place from day one we, we got time yeah, to make up for I, I think they should be honored to have us there put it on the mark put it on the website of you know featured uh featured guests that have graced the frick um still army Ariana, make it make it happen. You know the website people too, I bet. <sighs> Gentlemen, oh, this is gonna be a shit show. Oh yeah, that's and that's okay, what. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I think that's all we got. Um, again, there's some other things we'll get into, and then we'll we'll recap the season in some some form next week, and then that's probably where the hot takes start coming out. But until then, we'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorek. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. On behalf of Yak, Storino, and Seth, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.